cat's hat. Interviews. With Western big man Alex Ola, thank you for joining us. And of course, pick them. Playoffs, Sam Brief? Don't talk about playoffs. Are you kidding me? Playoffs? I just hope we can win a game. Jim Mora's historic rant is one that we aren't going to forget anytime. All listeners know that I am great at this game. Tune in every Sunday night at 8 p.m. for The Sports Voice. Produced by Henry Demore and Sam Brief. Lakeside Studios of WNUR-FM Evanston, Chicago. This is your source for Northwestern Wildcat Athletics. Taphorn's got the ball, 1.7 seconds left in a tie ball game. Baseball pass all the way to the other end. Harden catches, he has a chance, left-handed hook, got it! Going deep, man wide open, caught at the five, end zone, touchdown, Sullivan Bolt! Tosh for three, no good, Law is there! Now, here's the sports voice. We took out Ohio State. I know, but <laughs> Michigan took out us. Welcome on in to the sports voice, ladies and gentlemen. I'm Noah Kaufman, typically behind the glass, but uh, tonight I guess I'm still behind the glass if you if you, if you you look at it that way. You're on the other side of the exactly, glass. Exactly, I'm on the other side of the glass, thank you. I'm Noah Kaufman alongside Eric Frazier uh, with you here for this post-Thanksgiving sports voice, already 11 engineering from the other side of the glass, as Eric so eloquently put it, uh, it's been a, it's a good weekend, Eric, for Northwestern sports. Three and O weekend. We've already heard if you've been listening to the first half of the sports block, some talk about Northwestern women's basketball, some talk about Northwestern men's basketball, and even a little bit of talk about Northwestern football. We're gonna dive in a little bit more into Northwestern football, um, at least to start off our show, and that starts with the game this weekend. Northwestern took down Illinois twenty-four to sixteen in a game that was. Probably a little closer than it needed to be, Eric. Coach Fitzgerald pulled his starters up just 15 with 13 and a half minutes left in the game. But Northwestern hung on, thanks in part to the ineptitude of the Fighting Illini, but also thanks to a strong first half showing from Isaiah Bowser uh, and also Clayton Thorson, whose stats may not jump off the page. Uh, but he had a pretty solid game as well, 12 for 18 for 110 yards and two touchdowns through the air, a touchdown on the ground, and he made the throws he had to make. Now, that Illinois secondary is very bad. You know, this is one of the worst defenses in the FBS, but at least before Coach Fitzgerald kind of grabbed the headlines by pulling his starters a little bit early, uh, it was a good-looking game for Northwestern's offense. I kind of want to agree, but kind of want to disagree as well. Uh, the score, like you said, 24-16 all the way at the end of it, but it was a lot further apart. During the uh, when it got to the fourth quarter, Northwestern was up twenty-four to six, and then the only thing that Illinois can manage throughout this whole game was field goals. They would drive it all the way down, closer to the red zone, and into scoring territory for for uh, for the final line eye, but they just couldn't break through, get into the end zone, and so they were only managed to get field goals during the thing. But then. Like you said, Northwestern pulled out their starters, getting ready for the big game going on next week, setting go to a bigger game the week afterwards. And uh, with that, Illinois was able to score a late touchdown and kind of put everybody on the edge to see if uh, they were going to hold on. But they did, 24-16. 
Illinois led the team in the yards. Illinois had a turnover. They led the time possession, and they led the first downs, but they did not lead on the scoreboard, and that's what matters. So what do you disagree with then? Uh, just pretty much the uh, not playing aggressive. Like they played Oh, you disagree with Coach Fitz? I, 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 okay, I, I thought you disagreed I, with me. I'm uh, much more pleased to hear that. I always disagree with you. <laughs> what are you disagreeing with me about then? I, know, I, I was, said that they should have played more. Aggressive. I was being, I was being facetious. I was, being, right, I was being right. joking. But no, I like I've said all year long. I've been saying pump the break on this team because it's like they would jump out to a big lead, and in the second half they kind of they would kind of uh, slow down, stumble, trip, or whatever. We've seen that in Akron game. We saw that in the Purdue game. We saw that with the Michigan game. And we saw that here with the final line nine game, whereas they jumped out to a twenty-one to six lead, and then only managed to score three points in the third quarter, getting okay. outscored okay. ten to three. And it's like you cannot have a game like that, especially next week when you're taking on the Ohio State. Okay, Buckeyes. but Eric, I want to point something out here. The, uh, the starting offense was only on the field for six drives. You know, they're yeah. starting offensively out there for six drives. The first drive was nine plays, 92 yards. That's a touchdown. I think anybody would agree that's a successful drive. Bowser, the, yeah. se- the second drive was three plays for negative 12 yards. I think anybody would agree that's an unsuccessful drive. Yeah. After that, they went 11 plays for a 75 yard tu- 75 yards at a touchdown. Then they went nine plays for 80 yards at a touchdown with a minute. That's, that drive started with a minute 44 left in the first half. Go to the second half, they went 12 plays, 68 yards for a field goal, and then the final drive that the starters led, 8 plays, 25 yards. Uh, that one did end in a punt, but they did pick up two first downs along the way. Actually, I think three first downs on that drive. So, what do you think the offense didn't execute? You can we're, blame we're, Coach we're, Fitz. You can blame Coach Fitz all you want for pulling the starters, we're, but we're when tra- when Clayton Thorson and Isaiah Bowser were in the game, they had success on we're, pretty we're, much we're every talking drive. About it. We're talking about they're playing against a team that got thumped by Iowa, sixty three to nothing. They got thumped by a Nebraska team. But I'm asking you, what what do you years. want to see from this offense? I want to see, see more aggression. I want to see more points on the board. I want to see what Iowa did to this team that Northwestern does to this team. So like, what did I, they? So what did the offense not do? What 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 does the offense have to do? They to need get to put that? their foot on the gas. They pedal. did. No, they did not. It's not. It's not Clayton Thorson and Isaiah Bowser's they, fault. It was like stop and go traffic. How can you? How can you blame Clayton Thorson and Isaiah Bowser for the fact that their coach pulled they're, them out of the game? No, I'm not pull, I'm not blaming them for pulling out of the game. I mean, that's that's Fitzgerald. You're saying they need to put their foot on the gas. How can they do that on the sidelines? They need to put their foot on the gas pedal during the time going in because they did. They, no, they, they did scored not. 24 points in six drives. They That's scored, four they points scored per three drive. points in the second half. Yeah, on two drives. Yeah, Eric. but the problem is you got to okay. play sixty okay. minutes. You got to play That's sixty minutes of football. They didn't play sixty minutes. Their coach pulled them. No, I'm just saying that they <laughs> need to play sixty minutes of football, and they did not play all the way up to the time they got pulled out because right. it's like I guess, they, yeah. I guess I'm just a little bit confused about what you no, want I mean, Thorson yeah. and Bowser to do. It's just a lot of times I've seen like a lot of times he was hanging on to the ball a lot. He was scrambling a lot, and then he got pulled down a couple times. Where I was like, I was he got in, sacked once in the entire game. I, I saw. He I saw. I was, he didn't scramble yeah. a single time. Yeah, I was on the sidelines. I, I saw the action. It's just like I said. It's just they need a stronger, hardcore performance against a team like that's not what they did last night. Is not going to get it done against Ohio State. I think week. everybody agrees with that. Coach Fitzgerald yes. wouldn't have pulled his starters. No, I know. Ohio I'm not State. saying. I'm not going to say he's going to pull his starters. I know. I know the deal is. But he, I think he pulled him way too soon. I yeah, agree he, with that. Yeah, I agree he with pulled, that. We can all pulled, blame. Yeah. We can all blame Coach Fitzgerald. Yeah, together. he pulled. He pulled him out way too soon. I definitely agree with you. And, and I'm more surprised that T.J. Green, when he got his opportunity, he got his shot to get in the game, he really couldn't do much. It just they like, didn't even call a pass play for him, so that's not yeah, exactly his fault. Like, he didn't it, even throw a single pass. 
Yeah, even though it's like he still could run. He still showed promise during that Purdue game when he got in, when they were running the two-quarterback system. Okay. So, I, mean, I don't yeah. think TJ Green's that important to this team because next year it's going to be Hunter Johnson. But I hear what you're saying. Yeah, yeah. Um, but, yeah, it was our, yeah, thing, yeah, Bowser, 18 carries, 166 yards, big game. But, like, I, but what I'm really bringing up was what's really alarming to me is the wide receiver play and that Riley Lees led the team in receiving with three catches, 25 yards. They didn't have to throw the ball. They when you run it down yeah. the throats of the other team, right? I mean, if you take out sacks, which should not count as part of rushing yards, I think we can agree that. And, and knees, mm. which also should not count as part of rushing yards. I think you would agree to that as well. Uh, neither of those things are actually rushes. This team, yeah. including those last couple drives where Illinois knew what they were going to do, ran the ball 43 times for 276 yards. Yeah. Why are you going to throw the ball if you're running Bow- the ball? If you're Bowser. running the ball for for yeah. six and a half yards per pop, why do you need to throw the ball more? You need to spread the field out. You need but to be two dimensional. They ran six and a half yards per carry. Yeah, but they almost they also, almost lost that game. Also, why would you show why end. would you show Ohio State anything more than you have to? You're not really showing. You're, you're not really showing Ohio State anything. I mean, as soon as Urban Meyer gets home, what's yeah. he going to do? He's going to pop in the Illinois Northwestern tape, right? Yeah. Why would you show Urban Meyer anything more than just your vanilla runs up the middle when you know that that's what you can beat Ohio State because, with? Because, but the problem is, is that Ohio State is not. Illinois. Or that's what you can beat <laughs> Illinois with. Yeah, yeah they, but they, why do you need? Why do you need to prep for Ohio State against Illinois? Because you got to prep for everybody. You always got to prep for the next game going up, and this is a big game, so to speak, for Northwestern, and it could help out UCF. We'll talk about that later on in the show when we preview the uh, the playoff scenarios or whatnot. No, I hear that. Yeah, interesting. I just but think, what, I just think from, yeah. from Coach I, I understand, I understand, I understand what you're trying to say. Yeah, Coach Fitzgerald's perspective, right? I understand, I understand Why what you're you trying to say. Why would you show him anything? That's all I'm saying. Yeah, it's, it's not about showing them. It's about getting your team prepared. Because if you come out there playing this way out here, you're going to try to go through practice. You're going to watch Ohio State game tape. You're going to try to prepare for that. But it's just like, okay, this is the time when you get the action, you get the reps, you get the plays, you get the game time feel. Why not try some stuff? Because they've not, done that stuff for 11. Why, why not like, basically make stuff happen? Because they almost blew this game. If you try, yes. first of all, if you try stuff, right, That's Urban Meyer sees that stuff. You want to try that stuff in practice. Yeah. Also, they've had 11 other games to work, right? They've had 11 other games to to throw it all out there, which they have. They uh-huh. pulled out lots of tricks yeah. in those other 11 games. Now, I agree with you that this offense is not firing on all cylinders heading into that's this what game I'm, against the I agree with that. Yes. But at the same time, is, a, is, is 7 or 14 more points against Illinois really going to put – I'm just asking you, is that really going to put you at rest? Say they won this game 38-9. to nine. Would you be saying Northwestern's going to win against Ohio State now? Yeah. Of course not. You wouldn't say that just because there was 21 points of difference against Illinois. What I'm Illinois. saying is that basically it's not only just the fact that the defense had to hold, but the defense kind of let up at the end, and he let him get in the end zone. So it's let's, like, let's but talk Patty about the defense. Fi- yeah, let's Patty Fisher's defense. interception – it won the game for Northwestern. Of that, that it kind of had everybody on the edge. It's like this a lot team, of people doesn't like to feel on edge, but that game really had the team on edge all the way to the end until Patty Fisher made that key interception. Eric, this team is missing their top four defensive backs. Okay, it doesn't matter what offense you're facing. This is a team that put up 55 points on Minnesota. Yeah, that's a Minnesota team that throttled Purdue. That's a Minnesota team that's had plenty of good games this season. Just destroyed Wisconsin. Yeah. They put up 55 points on them. It's a good offense. And you're missing your top four defensive backs, right? There's only so much you can do in that situation. 
when you're throwing true freshmen out there, when you're throwing guys out who have barely played this season, right? When it's Cam Ruiz and Alonzo Mayo as your two starting corners, you got A.J. Hampton coming in as the nickelback. That's who you're throwing out against this Illinois team. A quarterback in A.J. Bush, who, by the way, I think we can both agree, is very good, had a very good game. Yeah, he, he, was, he was barely touching it. There's only so much you can do if, if, if Fitzgerald handcuffs you, right? He says you can't play Nate Hall even when he comes back in the second half from the targeting injury. And, and you're going with Chris Bergen, who I love Chris Bergen, okay? He's, he's a great kid, okay? But Chris Bergen is barely 200 pounds soaking wet. And you're trying to run him in there against Big Ten running backs. That's only going to work for so long. Let's be honest, all right? There's a big difference between Nate Hall and Chris Bergen. There's a big difference between Montre Hardage and Cam Ruiz. Montre Hardage is one of the best covered corners in the Big Ten. Yeah. You need that guy. And so this defense, the defense that we saw against Illinois, is of course never going to beat Ohio State because there's no chance that Northwestern is going to stop Dwayne Haskins without their top four defensive backs. I think everybody can agree on that. I know Ari can agree on that. I'm pretty sure Tim, I think he already left, but I'm pretty sure he can agree on that too. No, Tim's in the background. So Tim, like, hey. Tim, Tim, do you agree? Give me a thumbs up if you agree. There you go. He shook okay, his Tim hand. agrees. He, he, he we all hand. know that if Montre is not healthy for this game, yes. Dwayne Haskins is going to go run wild on this Northwestern defense. Yes. So the question isn't, was this performance against Illinois good enough? But what can Northwestern do when they are at full strength? And I don't know if we can look at this Illinois game for that. What we can look at it for is the defensive line. For me. For me, the biggest takeaway from this game is the defensive line. Because the defensive line has been healthy all season. It's been Northwestern's healthiest unit, I think. I think that's fair to say. Um, and they had a decent game against Illinois, but a worrisome game. This is a, this is a unit that I thought was coming on recently, Eric. They had four sacks against Minnesota. Looked good in all facets of the game then. Joe Gaziano looked like he was coming on. And then yesterday, Ernest Brown had a couple nice plays. Joe Gaziano had a couple nice plays. That was it, right? This defensive line has got to make things happen because Ohio State's weakest part of their offense, and it's not a very weak offense, is their offensive line. So how does this Northwestern defensive line, in your opinion, kind of rebuild from this performance when they were at full strength? It's not really the defensive line for what I see. I mean, they need to get more pressure on the quarterback because that's going to really uh, offset some offensive some plays and whatnot and what uh, Ohio State can do. Getting pressure on Dwayne Haskins is really going to affect the gameplay. But from what I saw last night on the sidelines, basically the the the, the middle of the field was just wide open. Why Illinois was just getting passes down the field, yeah. making their plays, and that's what really need. That's what really, in my opinion, needs a step up. And I mean, the defensive line they need to get pressure but basically the coverage the coverage okay, but what, what did we just talk about right we ju I just talked the, about that about they're the missing coverage. their last they're missing their top four defensive backs yeah but they gotta if the, figure if they're, yeah next man up you know, next man up you can you can preach next man you up you can preach next man up all you want yeah all right if next there's man a talent up. gap as distinct as northwestern's fifth and sixth cornerbacks against ohio state who has some of the best skill position players in the country and their wide receivers there is zero chance that northwestern wins that game that's like sending Ohio State out there against Bowling Green. Uh -huh. Bowling Green's not going to win because they're not as talented. It's just not going to happen. Now, if Northwestern has Montre Hardage, they don't have the coverage issues that they had against Illinois. All of a sudden, it looks better against Ohio State. So we can't judge their performance against Ohio State based on their performance against Illinois in terms of coverage because if they cover against Ohio State the way they covered against Illinois, they're, they're going, going get, they, to lose. We all know get, that. They're going to get lit up. So that's what I'm saying. So why don't we focus on the part of the game that actually could translate? 
right? Why don't we focus on the defensive line? That's the part of the game that could translate. I mean, to Ohio we have to State. focus on all the, the the games, not just the defensive line. I but mean, I just said why we shouldn't focus on the coverage. Yeah, it's not going to be the, those guys. Yeah, but the thing is, is that yeah, you're saying that we're missing all those guys. They're all injured. But the thing is, next man up. Are they going to be available next week? For, Eric, for let me just Ohio ask you a question. Game? Let me just ask you a question. Go ahead. Is Northwestern going to win if they're down their top four defensive backs? Do they have a chance of winning? Do you think they have a chance of winning? If they play hard the way they play, the way, uh, Purdue, the way Purdue played them, Purdue had their top defensive backs. Purdue defended we well. Per- yeah, and we beat Purdue in the we, first week of the season. And we beat and Purdue with our top defensive backs because we were healthy in the first week of the season. Yes, right. But I so mean, you, so stuff you think happened. we can win without our top four defensive backs? You think that can happen? But you, so you're thinking you're already throwing the game away? No, because they're going to have Montre Hardy <laughs> back. Throw the they're game They're going away. to have Jared McGee back. Those guys are coming back. You're gonna throw so, the game away. You gotta have more faith in that. So it's gonna be neck and neck. Northwestern gonna have to play an A plus plus game to beat Ohio State next weekend. But what I'm sitting there saying, I don't think is that's that what true. You, what they have I don't think to. they have to play an A plus plus game. They have to game. play. They have to. They How have much to should play. Purdue win by, Eric? Purdue won by 40 points. No. How I mean, not 40, 20, 20 points. Yeah. yeah, Purdue won by over 20 points. They won by 20 points. They, and they blew them out. They yeah. humiliated this team. Yeah, so why does Northwestern have to play their A++ game if they have their because personnel Because Northwestern has to play an A++ game because because Ohio State is coming off a huge victory against Michigan, a team that basically so came back and beat Northwestern. So that makes them more likely for a letdown, right? Mm-hmm. If Ohio State just came they, off a huge win against their rival, they, right, they and you're riding that high, and you're riding that high, right, that makes it so tough to come back down to earth for a game in the trenches against this Northwestern team. But we've seen it on. from Urban Meyer teams in the past, but hold right? On. When hold they on, win their on, big games, yeah, when on. they win their big games, yeah. they lose after that but, because they're uh, but riding that high. But hold Urban on, Meyer hold doesn't on. get his team back down. No, hold, oh, hold on, hold on, hold on. Before we go into like, oh, you're go- they're gonna come off their high. They 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 beat their in-state rival. Not only that, no, the Rangers, they did not beat their in-state rivals because they don't have an in-state. No, rival. I'm just saying that they're 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 their main rival. Yes. The, the main rival is Michigan. Yeah. So basically, not only that, but seeing the rankings, the, the, the playoff rankings haven't come out yet, but they've seen the AP and the coaches' poll rankings. They see a pathway to the playoffs. You yeah. don't think that they're going to sit there and look at that and wait for Tuesday's rankings to come out, and they confirm that they have a chance to make this playoff, and you think that they're going to have a letdown against Northwestern? Eric, I don't think so. Eric, if they wait until Tuesday at 7 p.m., it's already too late, my man. Then you only got two days of practice left, so they gotta start well, going that, before well, that. I they mean, gotta but, start going before but they're then. gonna. I think that they're gonna look at the rankings and they're gonna base it off of that and see that they have a chance to get into the playoff. That means with that motivation right there, the chance to play for a national championship, they are not going to have a letdown against uh, Northwestern. Okay. They're not going to have it. Like Northwestern is going to have to play an A plus plus game. Well, I was mentioning off air when we were talking but about. But then you 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 can't reconcile these two things. You keep talking about how Purdue blew the doors off Ohio State, yes. and you keep talking about how Northwestern needs an A plus plus game, yes. even though Northwestern beat Purdue. And did you watch the Northwestern Purdue game, Eric? Yes, because I was there. Northwestern played one of its worst games of the season. They played, they played hot played in the horrible. first. Yeah, the first they half. Were, they they were did the terrible. same thing they did this game and guess and what? the Michigan game. And guess what happened? And, a bunch of and guess what happened? They won because you don't have to play your best all the time to win in college football. You Sometimes you get won? some breaks, but when you have your personnel, yeah. you can win by getting some breaks. You don't have to play the you, best game you, of your you, lives. You, know who, you don't have you to play the cliche best game of all time. You know how they won that game? The defensive lineman threw the running back down and got a 15-yard penalty yeah. when Purdue had no timeouts. And, and you that think, is how— You think Ohio State, one of the most penalized teams in the country, no, wouldn't do that? 
No, I'm just saying that that's I don't get your point here. Purdue was basically on their way, had the momentum back to at least get the they were gonna get the get the point they were gonna get the ball back off a punt if he had not done that. The reason why yeah, yeah. but then turn around he but did, he did that do that. dumb penalty. Yeah, he did. He had dumb penalty. Yeah. Basically gave them 15 yards exactly. with no timeouts. You're making my North point North for North me. North you don't always have to play the best game. Sometimes breaks are going to go your way. But the thing is that Northwestern's coming off of a struggle win against Illinois, and Ohio State's coming off this big win against Michigan, and, North, and, and Ohio State is looking at a potential playoff berth. So basically Northwestern is going to have to play their big games. And it's like mainly the running game is there. Isaiah Bowser had an awesome game yesterday, 166 yards. First carry, 55 yards. He 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 totally almost eclipsed his total carries the week before that in that first carry. So I mean, with a good game from Thorson, not making mistakes, wide receiver play stepping up, and then the running game going there, and then the defense tightening it down, Northwestern should pull out the victory against Ohio State. So you think that Northwestern is going to win? Northwestern can win this game. You just said they should win. You think they can? Win? You think that you, yes. you would pick them right now? So they have to play their A++ game. Yes. But you're also betting on them to win. So you I think it's more see likely. I you putting the words in my mouth. I'm not saying You betting. said they should win. I said they should win. This, they, they, should, they can win this game. That's not what you said. You said they should win. They can win this game. Okay, I agree with they that. They can win I, this I, I game. I agree with that. But they have to play an A++ game and not have any mistakes and have the wide receiver core step up and the defense, really the secondary, the the, the middle of the field, linebacker, secondary, the, the back, the back linebacking crew in the secondary really just needs to fill in the gaps because there were too many wide open holes yesterday. I mean, they need to get pressure too. That that will definitely help with the defensive sword speak, but definitely getting that. All right, on that note, I think we're going to take a quick break. When we come back, we'll talk a little bit about Ohio State. We'll talk a little bit about the way the matchup shakes down, and then we'll branch it off into the wider college football picture. So you're listening to The Sports Voice on WNUR. There was an idea to bring together a group of remarkable people. Now we've got Matt McHugh and Zach Wingrove. Amit Malik is also in the studio. So when they needed us, we could fight the battles. That they never could. We will run through the whole bracket until we determine the Sports Voice After Athlete of the Year for 2017. In time, you will know what it's like to lose. And thus, in a three strikes you're out world, Sports Voice After Dark now has two strikes against it. Fun isn't something one considers when balancing the universe. But this <laughs> does put a smile on my face. Or are we like, what if we try? Well, actually, actually, if we want to punt this bad, we, we punt it this bad. This is Sports Voice After Dark. Welcome back to the Sports Voice. I'm Eric Frazier sitting across side. Noah Kaufman in this combative battle here on Sports Voice. We, we, we really like haven't. Northwestern's going to have next week. Yes. We're prepping you. We're, yeah, prepping we're, we're, we're going in on each other, but we're going in for the bigger picture of the crowd. So without further ado, we were talking about 
uh, Northwestern and Ohio State strategy. But since we we're on that topic, let's talk about Northwestern's opponents in this weekend's game, Ohio State Buckeyes, and their trouncing of the Michigan Wolverines, 62-39. Noah, what did you see in that game? Because Dwayne Haskins, 20 of 31, 396 yards, six touchdowns. Mike Weber, 13 carries, 96 yards, one touchdown. And Paris Campbell leading the team receiving six carries, six catches, 192 yards, two touchdowns. And just pretty much Ohio State in general made Michigan look foolish out there. So the number that sticks out most to me here, Eric, yes. is 39. Yes. That's how many points Michigan scored, yes. right? This is not a good Michigan offense. They struggled to score against Northwestern. And that's that's not fair. They're not a bad Michigan offense. No, they're But not. they're not phenomenal. You know, this is not Oklahoma that we're talking about out here. So this showed me, obviously, Ohio State's offense, and we'll get into them in a second, trust yeah. me. Obviously had a great game. But Michigan's offense did some things, right? You can't score 39 points without doing some things. Now, a lot of that was in garbage time. Right, but Shea Patterson still went twenty of thirty-four for one hundred eighty-seven yards, three touchdowns. Uh, threw a couple of those touchdowns while the game was still in question. Ohio, uh, Michigan ran the ball pretty well. They didn't get to run it as much as they would have liked, I'm sure, but had forty carries in the end. That's including sacks because I don't know exactly how much Shea Patterson got sacked for. But they had uh, what did I say forty carries. Yeah, forty carries in the end for about one hundred and sixty yards. That's not ideal, but it's about four yards per carry, including sacks. You take the sacks out, it's probably uh, not that bad. Um, so that's that's just one thing that I wanted to point out. That's not necessarily a horror show for me. But getting back to the main attraction, and you mentioned this, Eric. Uh, this is what you're looking at when you see this box score. This is what most people are looking at when they see this box score. And that's 62. This Ohio State offense had a game. Right, and how did they do it? You said Paris Campbell leading the way in terms of receiving. Six catches, 192 yards, two touchdowns. Now, those are two long touchdowns. And one of them was on a standard-issue deep ball, but another one was on the type of pass that Ohio State executed over and over again in this game. They executed a K.J. Hill, they executed a Paris Campbell, and they executed it to Mike Weber in the running game as well, and that's the stretch play. This is what this Ohio State team excels at in the Big Ten. They're the fastest team in the conference. They've been the fastest team in the conference for the past four years, right? So this is what they do. They get their stars on the outside. They get Mike Weber, Paris Campbell, K.J. Hill, guys they think are faster than the other teams on the outside. And Michigan thought they had the athletes to compete with them this year, Eric. They, they singled some of those guys up. They got linebackers out on those guys. And guess what? They couldn't compete with him. Ohio State beat him to the edge time and time again. Dwayne Haskins beat him to the edge time and time again. Made some pinpoint throws, made some short throws, and Ohio State got around the end. And that's what's most worrisome to me as I look at this game from a, from a Northwestern perspective. We know that defensive coordinator Mike Hankwitz does not like to bring pressure against mobile quarterbacks. He hates to blitz mobile quarterbacks. A.J. Bush didn't face a blitz all game last week, maybe one, right? Hankwood saves his blitzes for guys that he knows are going to stay in the pocket. He doesn't want guys escaping on him. Northwestern is very susceptible to the QB run. Again, we saw Bush convert a lot of QB draws uh, into the middle of that field last week. So if Hankwitz isn't going to bring a blitz, because we know Dwayne Haskins is a mobile quarterback, right? If Hankwitz isn't going to bring a blitz, it's up to those three linebackers, Blake Gallagher, hopefully Nate Hall, and Patty Fisher, to get to the outside and contain these Ohio State running backs and receivers in the RPO game in the stretch game. And I don't know if they can do that. Nate Hall doesn't have the speed to do that. Patty Fisher Fisher might not have the speed to do that. Blake Gallagher maybe does have the speed to do that, but they're going to need help from McGee and Pace. Hopefully McGee is back. Maybe Travis Willett getting some action out there as well. 
Northwestern is going to struggle to contain Ohio State's speed. Mike Hankwitz is one of the best defensive coordinators in the country. I want to see how he tries to game plan around it. But right now, I'm not feeling so good about it. Uh, well, I'm a, I'm about to bring it back to basically when this game actually broke apart because like you made some interesting points about Shea Patterson about the Ohio State offense lighting it up and everything else. But when th- this game actually took a turn for the worse, and I brought this up to Kevin Sweeney yesterday during the pregame show of our Northwestern game, basically he's like, "Oh, it ain't over yet. Don't pump the brake. It's over." So basically, it was 24-19 going into halftime. Then Ohio State kicks another field goal, so it's 27-19. Michigan is going for a punt. Basically, okay, they went three and out. They're 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 trying to get their mojo on, and they didn't get anything going on, so they had to go for a punt. Set, yeah, Serwin Brink, Serwin Banks. I think I said that right. Serwin or Seven Banks blocks the punt and takes it back 33 yards for a touchdown. And that right there, when it made it 34-19, that's what blew the game wide open for Ohio State. And literally, they just owned the third quarter with scoring another touchdown for Mike Weber, making it 41-19, and thus basically just opened the door wide open for the game. And after that, yeah, Nico Collins had a 12-yard catch for a touchdown. They Michigan tried to go for two. They didn't get it. Then they had Ben Mason with the touchdown after playing catch-up after Paris Campbell caught a 78-yard touchdown from Dwayne Askins to to bring it 48-32, and then basically garbage time, really. It was just like Ohio State adds two more touchdowns from two more touchdown passes, K.J. Hill, Paris Campbell catching them each, and then Joe Milton just runs an end zone pretty much garbage time. Game's already already out of hand. 62-32 at the point. Joe Milton scores the last touchdown, but I want to say that block punt, that special teams block punt is the one that set the momentum off and pretty much set the course for Ohio State to take out Michigan that game because Michigan and Ohio State were neck and neck, back and forth, back and forth, basically toe-to-toe. It was like it was, it was anybody's game. It was like, okay, I was going for Michigan. I'm like, I, I would rather see Michigan finally get over the hump in the revenge tour and take out their rivals rather than just hearing those Buckeyes again just going off, but it's just like that block punt was pretty much the one that just really sealed the fate. And that's problematic for Northwestern because, Eric, this team is not good in the special teams department. Yes. Now, the one thing that they are good at is punting. Jake Collins had a very good game against Illinois, averaged about 46.3 yards uh, net per punt, yes. and he's been solid all season in the punt department. The problem is he has to do everything else, too. Yes. He's had to do kickoffs, which he's not very good at. He's had to kick field goals, which he's not very good at. Both of those things he hasn't done since high school. Yes. So if Jake Collins, and again, this is this is where the injuries come in. This is where this Northwestern team is so focused on injuries right now. Yes. Because if Jake Collins has to do both of those jobs again, if Luck and Bond Kubander aren't back by Saturday, that's problematic. Ohio State speed will make those kickoff returns problematic for Northwestern. It'll make those field goal attempts problematic for Northwestern. And if Northwestern can't execute in the special teams department, which we all know, huge in terms of intangibles in football, they're going to have a problem. You don't win close games against better teams than you by not executing special teams. So that's, so you've seized on a great point here, I think. And that's that special teams is going to be huge in this game. And I don't know if Northwestern can keep up with Ohio State. The one thing that I can say that is going to be a factor for both teams, not just Northwestern, the Dome. The dome is going to be a big factor. So, like you said, he's having trouble in the kicking game. He's having trouble kicking the field goals. There's no wind in the dome. They got a roof in the dome. They're playing on field turf in the dome. So, the field ain't going to be messed up. There ain't going to be no wind in that stadium. You should make your kicks. You should make your field goals. You should get the punts off. You can make a kick kickoff. 
And I agree with you. The problem is he's kicked only he's only made two field goals since his senior year of high school. Oh. So both of those were inside of thirty. If Jake Collins is the kicker, yes. his range is limited at thirty five. This uh-huh. man has come up short from thirty eight, right? Yeah. And that's not hate against Jake Collins. I love Jake Collins. Yeah. He's a great kick he's a great punter. He's not a kicker. This team needs luck and ball or Kubander back. They need a real kicker back who can actually kick field goals. Because regardless of dome, no dome, yeah. if your kicker just can't kick the ball, he can't get it. Done he can't too. kick the ball exactly. But that, but uh-huh. that is that's a good that's a good jumping off point. I think. Yeah, we got for us to talk yeah, about. Yeah, we got to talk some, about. There that. were some crazy kicker situations in some other games. Uh, most notably, the most notable game of the week. This didn't have a ton of playoff implications, but Eric, I know you and I both want to talk about this one. LSU, Texas A&M. Yeah, let's talk about what the a game. crazy yeah. game. Let's talk about the game that ended like in the next day. And like it could have been, we could have woke up this morning and the game still be playing right now. My man, Jermaine, funny man, Johnson, comedian out of Alabama. He always makes a parody video of all the SEC games. He literally shut his video off at 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 the, after the six. Overtime. He was like, after if this game goes another overtime, I'm going to sleep. And literally his video goes, yo, go check Google because I, I really did go to sleep. 74-72 in their highest scoring game in, in, in FPS history. I mean, that's crazy. It's just like nobody wanted to lose. Seven overtimes. What, what do you think about that? Especially how silly LSU has to feel after they gave Ed Ordron the bath Right before the game yeah, the ended. Yeah, the Gatorade bath. They gave him the Gatorade bath before the game ended. And then turn around, seven overtimes later, he looks really, really silly. I do feel bad for LSU fans, though, Eric, because there, though a common myth was debunked, that first down line that you've seen across the internet, that guy was actually across the first down. The first down line was wrong on SEC Network. Yeah. LSU did get screwed. There was a fumble in the first overtime that was called an incompletion on the field. wasn't reviewed. Should have been a catch and fumble, in my opinion, and in the opinion of the commentators as well. But the officials didn't stop to look at it. A couple other bad officiating breaks for LSU. They had a they had in the sixth overtime they had the pass interference call, which allowed a uh, and M to get new life and eventually convert their two point conversion for the win. Yeah. So some bad officiating breaks for LSU. But hey. Neither of us are LSU or Texas A&M fans, yeah. so we don't have to talk about the officiating. This did is you, a phenomenal game. Yeah, LSU you, kicker, just, I just wanted to highlight a couple things yeah. that happened in this game. LSU kicker Cole Tracy, this is back in the first overtime, yeah. he kicked a 50-yard field goal that ended up extending the game. Eric, I swear to you, this field goal did not get above 20 feet off the ground. He kicked it, like, this high. It was a line drive, like, basically head height, and it got all the way in from 50. That's how the game stayed alive. After the third overtime, as we all know, starting in the third overtime— you have to go for two. These teams both hit or missed on their two-point conversions in tandem for three consecutive overtimes and almost did it in the sixth, if not for that pass interference call. That is just so unlikely in terms of probability. It's incredible. And just some incredible performances in this game. The receiver, Rodgers, for Texas A&M had a coming-out party. Some great touchdown catches in OT. The guy had only one catch in, in all of regulation. Right, and mm-hmm. he goes to OT, and all of a sudden he has two crazy touchdown catches, two crazy two-point conversion catches, and he's the hero. So that's just yeah. so funny to me because he played 60 minutes, he only got one catch, and all of a sudden in OT he's the hero. Pretty much, like I said, 60 minutes of football, but they played like four hours of football. But, yeah, I was trying to make the point about the uh, the cornerback from LSU that literally drew 
two flags Greedy on the same play. Two flags. Like, how are you going to make— It was not a pass interference. I'll just say this. But, I was watching the game. Yeah. It was not a pass interference. But but pretty much after that, turn around and get the hat thrown on you for talking to the yeah. ref? I think the ref—and I, I and I have refereed some intramural football. Not that that's the same as SEC football. As a ref, sometimes you know you got the call wrong. Eric. But, but and when you, you got at, the call yeah. wrong, your feelings are sensitive, right? But you, but you don't you want you don't want people to yell though. at you. Yeah, you see yeah, the referee face. You saw the referee face when he threw the hands. It's like, what? what you say to me? Guess what? Penalty. Eric, he knew he was wrong. <laughs> That's why he threw the hat. He knew he was wrong. So he threw the unsportsmanlike conduct because his feelings were hurt because he knew he made the wrong call. But if he so made he the wrong call, the error. if he makes, if you make the wrong call, you pick up the flag. They did not pick up the flag. Well, at some point, there's nothing you can do because you can't. As your own ref, it's tough to say, I made the wrong call, let's pick this up. Especially no. when you've already thrown the unsportsmanlike conduct, you got to just stand but by. You, but you can huddle with your other referees. I've seen that done before. They, I they huddle with well. each other, and they picked up well. the flag. They could have still picked up the flag for the pass interference if they didn't, they think, it, if they they didn't think it was. But, the uh, yeah, the unsportsmanlike penalty penalty would have stood anyways because, I That's mean. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, so it you, wouldn't have you, mattered. You act, yeah, mattered. you acted a fool. You got the hat thrown on you with the I face. would like to know what he said. That was funny. I would like to know that, what he that said. That was funny. But, yeah, we're going back to it. It's like with the overtime field goals. Second overtime was run, and they both kicked the extra points. Third overtime, they both converted two-point conversions and then field goals. Then they both failed the two-point conversions. So, yeah, back and forth, back and forth. Great matchups. But, everybody, we got to get to the main thing, and that's the AP and the – AP in the coaches' poll rankings, we know that everything matters about the CFP rankings. They won't be out to Tuesday, so we can baseline what we're going to talk about next about just potential scenarios off of this before we go into the world-famous pick'em. Uh, top 25, top four look like this, Alabama, Clemson, Notre Dame, and Georgia as the fourth slot after uh, Michigan took uh, that thrashing. And behind them, Oklahoma, Ohio State, and number seven, UCF. And that's the and it looks both looks the looks the same in both polls. So pretty much going off of that poll right there, something integral part there is like there is a pathway for not only Ohio State to make the playoff, but also UCF. The scenario looks like this: Alabama, Georgia playing each other SEC championship game. Georgia, if Georgia lose, they're gonna fall out. If Alabama, if Georgia beats Alabama, Alabama's still gonna be in. This is Alabama. The Saban runs college football. Clemson loses. That could shake some things up, but I don't see them losing it. The They're not going to drop out, though. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. The, yeah. the, the, the committee loves them. They're, yeah. they're still going to be in there. Yeah, that's what I'm like. Clemson, yeah. Clemson. So, basically, Notre Dame's in. Their season's over. They they handle their business. Scarily had to come back against USC. But, yeah. So, basically, if Ohio State was to get in, Georgia had to lose, and Texas had to beat Oklahoma, and Ohio State would have to beat Northwestern if Northwestern doesn't play the A++ So, game. here's my question, though. Here's yeah. my question to you, Eric. Yeah. And I don't like this one bit either. Go ahead. So let's say Northwestern beats Ohio State, Texas yeah. beats Oklahoma, Alabama beats Georgia. All three of those things need to happen for UCF to have a shot. Yes. Are we sure that the committee doesn't put in a two-loss Georgia or a three-loss Texas over UCF? I'm not saying they should. Listen to me. I'm not saying they should. UCF should absolutely be in over either of those teams. But the committee does not like group of five teams, Eric. We both know this for a fact. It doesn't matter. Is there about a chance? It, it is there a chance yeah. that UCF still doesn't get in? It doesn't matter about feelings. It matters about what they put on the field. And UCF has deserved a spot. They deserve I agree. A spot I last agree. Year. But you got to look at it from the playoffs perspective. No, I, I understand. I, I'm li- I listen to your point, but I'm making my point, and that if. The chips were – I was going to get to that point where basically 
if Georgia, Oklahoma, and Ohio State lose and USCF wins the American Conference Championship game. They should be in the playoffs. I agree. They should be in there. It's just, there is no – Michigan got throttled. Texas, they're 9-3. and three. No. Washington, 9-3. and three. No. Florida, 9-3. No. LSU and Washington State are tied for 12th. No and no. So, basically, out of all those teams, you, you cannot – you cannot leave UCF out. We know if, the if committee was, loves Georgia, though. No, we know the committee loves I'm not SEC. Say, I'm not saying that they don't love Georgia or not, but if Georgia, yeah, if Georgia loses to Alabama, it depends, though. If it's a close game, that's what I'm saying. If, if it's, it's a, a close if, game, if it's a close game, they, Georgia might get the nod. Maybe if Georgia gets handled, yeah, by Alabama, Yo, which right, I think right. that's going to happen, Georgia will drop. Oklahoma gets handled by Texas. Oklahoma will drop. Oklahoma's. I think Oklahoma's going to drop regardless because they're not. If North they're West, not as good as Georgia. If Northwestern pulls a one point victory over Ohio State, Ohio State's going to drop. Yeah, because nobody likes Northwestern. And, and Northwestern's going to have. Uh, and Northwestern's going to have a day off. Rose Bowl. <laughs> we're going to have a Rose Bowl for uh, Yeah, we go. We go. The whole camp is going to go crazy over here. Like they all shouting. In, they're all shouting in the, in the booth over there. Like so. Basically, if Georgia. Oklahoma and Ohio State all fall down and UCF wins. UCF should get that fourth spot. That's the official position of Sports Voice. I yes. agree with you. But for now, you have to go it's to a break. Pick'em is coming up. Quick break. We'll be right back on the Sports Voice. Are you active on social media? Find WNUR Sports on Facebook or follow us on Twitter at WNUR Sports to keep up to date on everything Northwestern. And you can check out our website at WNURSports.com where you can listen to live broadcasts and gain access to coverage and commentary on Chicago's Big Ten team. Click Schedule on the menu bar for a complete calendar of upcoming broadcasts. 